forming and giving an opinion without knowing the full story. Jumping to conclusions. Something with which I have great familiarity. <laughs> yeah, jumping to conclusions. I, I, I have done this uh, in conversations with my kids. I've had to take care to not jump to conclusions about things. And I'm probably not the only one who has noticed this in our culture. It's often the least informed individuals who have the most expressed opinions. Um, we can relate to those kinds of things. It, it happens in our families. It, it happens with friendships. It can even happen in the church. But it's nothing new. You may remember last time as we were in Acts chapter 10, Peter, a Jewish Christian, he called by, by Jesus out of the fishing boat a few years earlier, and now he is equipped for gospel witness, and he brings the message of salvation to the household of Cornelius, who is an Italian centurion out from Jerusalem down in an area called Caesarea. And, and Peter brings this message of salvation, and the Holy Spirit brings this outpouring, but he brings this outpouring on the household of Cornelius, but only after Peter is confronted by his own feelings of prejudice, which, which Peter, he owns, he confesses. Well, today in, in Acts chapter 11, we're going to see what happens once Peter returns home to the church in Jerusalem. Word about Peter's activities has traveled. Word travels fast. And Acts chapter 11 opens this way. The apostles and the, and the brothers and sisters who are throughout Judea, they, they have heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Cornelius, part of the Italian cohort, a centurion down in Caesarea, he's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Peter comes up to Jerusalem, and the Jewish believers, they take issue with Peter. The take issue with Peter. It would be, again, on this side of history, we see someone taking issue with Peter, like someone taking issue with Billy Graham. Who would dream do that? Well, this is what happens. They take issue with Peter, and I can hear them now. They're saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Can't you, can't you just hear that? Word has traveled. Some have taken issue. They're going with what little bit that they know and they make this accusation. You have gone to uncircumcised men and you've eaten with them. Well, that's what's happened, but there's more to the story. The Jewish believers, they're jumping to conclusions. Peter is accused of going to these uncircumcised men and, and eating with them, and, and this accusation is regarding someone uncircumcised. Meaning what? <laughs> Why does this matter? Well, this ritual has to do with the Israelites, the, the Jews being different than those other people groups around them. A professor from my seminary days in Louisville, John Polehill, he, he wrote a, an insightful article about this uncomfortable subject, no pun intended. 
and I want to hit just a few high spots. Circumcision, it's the act of excising or removing by cutting out the foreskin from the male genital. The provisions of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, call for the circumcision of every Israelite male, and we see that in Leviticus, as well as every servant or slave, we see that in Exodus 12, and even the resident alien or stranger who wishes to participate with the Israelites in the Passover ceremony, in Exodus 12 as well. And later on, circumcision of infants is the established practice. And the account of Genesis 17 traces circumcision to Abraham and interprets it as a mark of membership in God's covenant people, those of the Jewish faith. And what we see here in Acts 11, Whole Hill continues, Indeed, there were those in early Jewish Christianity who insist that there can be no membership in the new community of faith without this covenant mark of circumcision. And they represent the traditional Jewish understanding that all converts or proselytes to Judaism must be circumcised as a sign of membership in the covenant people. Paul Hill says, Since Christianity was a Jewish messianic sect, it followed logically for them that a Gentile must first become a Jew in order to become a Christian. And conversion to Judaism entailed circumcision and observance of the Mosaic law. What does this mean? Well, it means that there is, on the part of these Jewish believers, this adherence to tradition. The problem that these Jewish believers have with Peter's mission, it's twofold. Number one, it's this lack of circumcision. And number two, Peter is sharing a meal with these persons who are considered unclean. There's a writer named Marshall who says this, centuries of Jewish practice made these believers critical of what Peter's been doing. This action of eating with Gentiles... If Jewish Christians felt bound by these Jewish food laws, there can't even be fellowship or contact with these Gentile Christians. So, this is, so we know what this means, so why in the world does this matter today in 2022? Why am I taking a few minutes to share this? These accusers' biggest challenge, it's the adherence to tradition. These ones accusing Peter, they don't know the whole story of Peter's trip to see Cornelius. The Jewish believers, they've jumped to conclusions. The margins or the boundaries, margins like on a piece of paper, the boundaries of a piece of paper, the margins or the boundaries of their religious practice form their response to Peter before they even hear the whole story. We've all done things like that. We form our opinion first. And they feel free to offer their opinion without knowing all the facts. Can we as people relate? Yes, we can. These Jewish believers, they take issue with Peter. And then in verse 4, Peter begins. <laughs> he explains at length, and he says... 
I, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet, Lord, by four quarters from the sky, and it, and it came to where I was, and I stared at it and was thinking about it, and I saw these four-footed animals of the earth, these wild animals, these crawling creatures and birds of the sky, and I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said... By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea came to the house where we were staying, and and the Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. And six brothers of the faith went with me. We entered this man's house, Cornelius. And Cornelius reported about how he had seen this angel standing in his house and saying, Send some men to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And Peter will speak words. Now check this out. Peter will speak words to you by which you will be saved. Mm. You and all your household. The, the angel told Cornelius about salvation, words that would lead one to be saved. And Peter continues, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. So Peter is telling these, these believers, he reminds them about what we saw in Acts chapter 2. In Acts 2, if you remember, the early believers, they're all together in one place. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind comes from heaven. And it fills the entire house where they're sitting and, and tongues which look like fire appear to each one of them, distributing themselves and a tongue rests over each one present in that house and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak with different tongues as the Spirit is giving them the ability to speak out. You see, many of these Jewish believers were there on that day. They were there on that day, and they remember the Holy Spirit pouring out these gifts. And then Peter says, verse 16, I remembered the word of the Lord. That's a powerful statement. I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Peter remembers... and restates the word of the Lord. If we were to dial back to the very beginning of the book of Acts, before Jesus ascends to heaven, Luke, the writer of Acts, tells us that, that Jesus gathers his apostles together. He commands them to not leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which Jesus said you heard of from me. Jesus himself promised it. And Jesus said, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I love that. Peter remembers the word of the Lord. You see, 
in this difficult conversation, Peter calls to mind the words of the Lord. In this difficult confrontation, Peter remembers the words of Jesus and shares again the words of Jesus. Shouldn't we do the same when when those difficult conversations come? We remember the word of the Lord and we share what Jesus has said. Peter says, Therefore, if God gave these Gentiles the same gift as he gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? The same thing that happened in Acts 2, we just saw happen in Acts 10. In Cornelius' household, the Holy Spirit falls on all those who were listening to Peter's message and the Jewish believers, all those who had come with Peter as his bodyguards. <laughs> They're amazed. They witness this. The gift of the Holy Spirit has is, is been poured out on these Gentiles because they're hearing these Gentiles now speak with tongues and exalting God. These ones who accompanied Peter have witnessed this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What what, what does Peter say in 17? Look at that. Can I stand in God's way? Who am I to stand in God's way? Who is Peter? (laughs) Who are these Jewish Christians to stand in the way of God? Who are we? Who are we that we feel like there's times we can stand in the way of God? These Jewish believers have been jumping to conclusions. And Peter has now told them the entire story. God has moved in ways that do not make sense to the people of God. And you know what? God just may move in ways that don't make sense to us. Let me say that again. God just may move in ways that don't make sense to us. Ways and moves of God that may bypass tradition. We're seeing this in the story of of Acts. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that we have to remember about that. These ways and moves will not bypass the character of the author of Scripture. These moves will not be inconsistent with God's holy character and His holy word. The Lord will not rewrite Scripture for us. And we see here, when the Jewish believers hear this, they, they quiet down and they, and they glorify God, saying, well then, God has also granted to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Hmm. This, this vision of, of God cleansing what was formerly unclean, I mean, at one level, this does address food. However, at a greater level, it addresses cultural engagement of the gospel. This addresses a a cultural understanding of the availability 
of the gospel for all people. Amen. For all have sinned. And all need the opportunity to have repentance that leads to life. Something I don't want us to miss. This one vision that Peter shares. This does not rewrite the entirety of God's Old Testament law. Why do I say this? Well, there are some which claim that this one vision does. Oh, this means we can pitch all the difficult scriptures in the Old Testament. Well, that's not what it says. This vision given to Peter addresses food and gospel witness. Again, ways and moves attributed to God will not be inconsistent with His holy character, which is revealed throughout Scripture. The Jewish brothers, they, as, as we have just seen, they hear this and they quiet down and they say, well, well, God has also granted to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Mm. And that's what it's all about. One thing I want us to see. There's a writer who has been very helpful um, as a resource, a guy named Marshall. And he, and he points out, especially this last verse, something that I don't want us to miss. He writes, We do not know how far the implications, the full implications of Peter's actions were immediately realized in Jerusalem. You know, all this stuff which Peter is saying, how long it, it takes for it to take hold in Jerusalem. Things don't change overnight. And as the next section of Acts will show, the initiative and the Gentile mission, you know, this, this idea that, that non-Jews are the gospel target, this passes from the church in Jerusalem to a place known as Antioch. Some of you have, you have heard of Antioch. You've read, you've read about that. It's not clear how far the church at Jerusalem was prepared to follow Peter's lead. And he goes on to say, we should not take verse 18 to imply that the church in Jerusalem entered zealously into the mission to the Gentiles. It, it never seems to really have done so. And as a result, the church at Jerusalem, you know, the home church, the mother church, where the Holy Spirit broke out in Acts chapter 2, that the home church in Jerusalem begins to lose its importance in the course of time. So, so why do I say this? What does this mean? In essence, this Jerusalem fellowship of believers, even in their acknowledgement that God has indeed blessed the Gentiles, this fellowship evidently begins to lose its influence. Evidently, as, as they've wrestled to hold on to the ways which have seemed the best and most familiar, most comfortable to them, over time they begin to lose their influence because it seems that they focus their energy and their time not on gospel witness, 
but on who they were. Their, their, form, their former identity. Something to think about. Something to think about. When we're quick to write things off, to, to jump to conclusions, we just might miss something that the Lord wants to do in our midst. When we jump to conclusions, we might just miss out on a God-sized event. What did our Jewish brothers say? (laughs) God has also granted to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Thank God that God did because we wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. You know that? That God-sized event, Jesus coming to dwell with us, going to the cross for us, being resurrected to life eternal, This grants us the repentance, the opportunity for repentance, turning from sin, which will lead to life eternal for each of us. You see, that was always God's plan. These Jewish believers couldn't get their heads around it. But in Genesis 12, which we've seen, What did the Lord tell Abraham way back then? In you, all the families of all the earth will be blessed. Because of Jesus. All families, all nations have the opportunity to hear the gospel of salvation. I believe I shared this last time, that old phrase that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all sinners, and we all need the gospel. We all need the gospel. We're thankful this morning for the repentance that leads to life eternal.